1159 of Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, American. Another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Yeah, welcome everybody. We're doing a supplement to, I guess, the Daily Gun Show, or at least a special video over on the Gun Website's YouTube channel. And this will be distributed over on Gun Channel or on GunStreamer.com, over on Gun Channels, and over on GunTube.org, of course, when it's all over. But tonight we're talking with Kevin Dixie from Aiming for the Truth and No Other Choice Firearms Training. Um, I met Kevin for the first time at the Gun Rights Policy Conference this year, or last year, I guess, up in Chicago, and I was blown away. Uh, you gave us a talk at the 2A, whatever we're calling the Media Summit thing, AMCON, the Friday before, and then they gave you some time on Sunday, I think it was, and uh, both of those were interesting in different ways. So uh, one of the challenges you put out there is people with a platform to give you the microphone and uh, give our audiences some uh, stuff to listen to. So I'm glad you were able to find some time to jump on and join us. Um, I'm thankful for your um, for you listening. One, thank you for that, and thank you for the kind words. And I'm glad that you accepted the friendly challenge to uh, to talk. So I do appreciate that. Yeah, we had a chance yesterday to chat a bit on uh, the panel yesterday uh, with. Uh, ghost that was pretty fun but uh tonight i'm gonna give you the mic and uh, i've got just a general couple of things to talk about we've got some time to talk uh all of my efforts are uh towards interactivity the new media we've got out there so we're running this live on the youtube platform only because gunstreamer.com isn't live yet uh but we're watching the comments from the people uh, that are showing up live and of course we're simulcasting it on gunchannels.com so anybody that's watching over there uh Kevin brings up something, you want to ask him a question, feel free. But really, I wanted to give you the mic. So I just wanted to give us some general stuff to talk about. We'll talk about, uh, well, who Kevin is and what he's doing. And then uh, we'll talk about why he does what he's doing. And then we'll talk about some of the how, the nuts and bolts. But uh, I'm going to give you the mic. Who's Kevin Dixie? Hi. So uh, thank you very much. So I am Kevin Dixie. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, born and raised, pretty much left a couple of times, but I'm a pretty, pretty much a hometown boy. I am from the north sector of St. Louis uh, City, so I am from the inner city. Uh, my background as far as a childhood coming up is one you've probably heard over and over again if you're listening to this. It is that of the young child with the with the mom and no dad and, you know, bad neighborhood and the whole nine yards. Um, it was that, you know, I like to tell people when you if you want to understand my background and how my childhood was, especially growing up as a teenager. Imagine when you walked outside of your your front door and you looked at your closest intersection and what do you see? And most people will see more residential homes or you might see your local bakery or your local uh, convenience store, things like that. Uh, when I walked out and looked at my intersection, um, I looked at a tombstone retailer across the street from that tombstone retailer was the city's largest cemetery. So literally every day I woke up seeing death. I would, you know, we would uh, have friends or our neighbors die. You would see their parents, you know, they die from various reasons, violence, whatever. You would see their parents down by a, a tombstone and you know their body would be buried across the street. And that's what I went through every day on top of the prostitution, drug dealing, gangs, um, violence, chaos, you name it. Well, we have some good times, don't get me wrong, but uh, it sets the tone for who I am and, and who I came to be. This is uh, St. Louis? Yes, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. 
guess. And what what era are we talking about? What decade? Uh, it's North St. Louis in an area called uh, Walnut Park. In the 80s, 70s? Uh, this was growing up in the 90s. Um, well, I grew up, you, we figured with my teenage years and the more impactful, um, I moved around the area a lot, but I was definitely there. Let's call it the late 80s and all of the 90s, pretty much. Right on. And it was a, you know, a learning experience, though, and it, it does a lot. It sets the tone for who I'm going, who I am, who I developed to be, and how I view things, and what I went through, and how I decided to really conquer um, my own life versus letting my uh, environmental conditions dictate who I was going to be. I decided to take control of that uh, at, a, at a young age. So. What I started seeing a lot of or started witnessing, even when I was coming up then, is that, you know, this environment uh, creates a lot of problems. And one of the things we talk about a lot is guns. Right. And so I openly share the first time I actually had a hands on experience with a firearm. I was 13 years old and I went up. One of my buddies comes down to my house and was like, hey, man, you got to come. He's all excited to show me something. So we go up to his house and. We go in his parents' room and uh, there's this uh, gun, right? So we're trying to, we know what it is, obviously, but we're trying to figure out how to load it. We had to find the ammo. So we, we were in there for a little bit of time and we found the ammo, got the gun, went outside on the back porch. Hold on, hold and, on. What kind of gun are we talking about? Uh, I believe at the time it was a little Tomcat, little Beretta Tomcat. Okay. And uh, we, we got the little gun and we went out on the back porch and you know, we figured it out, you know, we're fumbling around with it. We figured it out and we shot it. Right. And so I shot it again. I shot it a couple of times and almost immediately once we put it back up because we were nervous, we had to get it, put it back up. Uh, we didn't we weren't really worried about the cops being called too much because gunshots went off in our neighborhood a lot and police didn't come in my neighborhood. Very seldomly did you see a police car. Um, so we weren't too worried about it, but we still didn't want to get caught. So got the gun, I'll put back up. And when I had a moment to just kind of let it sink in what happened, I was just taken back. Like that was an amazing experience, right? I'm like, oh, that was amazing. But it wasn't for the reason you would think. You think about the environment that I described earlier. And that's not, that's without me going into a lot of details about it. Uh, but I'm also a, a victim. And, and I say this not for sympathy. I say this for when I am speaking about things and, um, Dealing with guns or dealing with life, people can understand I'm, I'm, why I'm saying what I'm saying or where I get my perspective from. So on top of that environment, I was also in the foster care system for a little while. And while in that system, um, I was a victim of uh, molestation, physical abuse and all type of things. So then I come out of that system and now I'm living in an environment that I described earlier, which is the drug dealing, the constant death, the the murders, rampant, you know, the fight and the violence, the gangs and things like that. So my outlook on life was a kind of a bad one. I'm like, man, life sucks. <laughs> this stuff is not cool. Um, but I was not in love with the mechanical aspect of the gun. I wasn't. There was this guy that lived across the street. Let me do odd in jobs for him. You know, he was a handyman. So if I wanted to make a few bucks, you know, he'll let me, you know, carry some wood or whatever the case may be. And he asked me to do him a favor and go in and talk to uh, my school uh, counselor. And what that wound up leading to uh, roughly 30 days after I shot the gun is that I went in and I saw a medical professional. And upon talking to them, I was diagnosed with depression. And the reason why I fell in love with the gun is because I, I was contemplating quietly 
dreaming and imagining and falling in love with the idea of suicide. That's why I like the gun. I didn't like it because it went bang. I liked it because it can make all the pain and depression go away. Um, so from that and dealing with that anxiety and depression and fighting through that environment, still having to live through it and feeling like life doesn't offer you the opportunities. You don't have a male uh, figure there to guide you through these complications. Mom is young and my mom tried hard. She wasn't one of those women that uh, only cared about herself. My mom was a fighter. And I mean, she fought tooth and nail working three jobs, sometimes four. Um, I remember sleeping behind the counters of gas stations uh, while she worked and, you know, she had to hide me from her bosses. I remember I remember it being pretty rough, but I remember her always being a fighter and I get a lot of my spirit from her, but she couldn't protect me from everything that I experienced. There's just no way she could. So I wanted to, when I was trying to claw my way out of it, I was trying to advise others of how we should be looking at things, really sit, sitting back and absorbing what life is like and how can we do it better? And this was before you had social media. This is before you can just look and see how everybody else is looking or, you know, tap on your phone and get inspiration from somewhere. This is before those times. And this is so you want to find something, you go look at a book, which who knows when that was written and what are you supposed to look through medical journals? You might as well. <laughs> Amazing right. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was um, it was it, there weren't a lot of resources, definitely not a lot of resources and or you didn't have access to those resources. You didn't know at that time how to find them and things like that. Um, so it was rough, man. It was rough. And what I what I did was I decided to myself as a young man that I wasn't going to be a victim of my environment. I wasn't going to allow my experiences and some things that I did. You know, I'm not perfect. Uh, I wasn't going to allow my past, my present or my environment to dictate who I would become. And I decided to become a fighter. And that came in many different ways. It, it, it was avoiding the conflict in my neighborhood. I had to be, I tell people a lot, you know, I had to walk through uh, six gang sets, six different gang territories to get to my bus stop. Now imagine it. Imagine having to walk through six different gang territories, half of which didn't like the other colors. So having to walk to school and being careful where you walked, how you walked and what you wore and having to sometimes change clothes en route to your bus stop just to get yeah. there. It's not as though you get an opportunity to just, I'm not going to be part of this and walk through. You have to acknowledge and be aware and deal with the six different situations as you're walking through that area, right? Yeah, you had to definitely be, um, uh, you had to speak a lot of languages. <laughs> you had to, you had to speak them well. Um, you know, and that that environment was was something. And, you know, one funny story I tell, and it, to me it is funny. It's sad, but it's funny. Is I, I'm a constant student. I, I always love school. I love education. I'm just that kind of guy. And so I, I would not not go to school if I could help it. And I decided to um to you know stay focused on school. To, and I'll tell you about how I made a mistake later on. But I remember one of my classmates wasn't like me. He didn't come to school a lot. Like he, he would come, but he didn't come a lot. And one day I was getting off the school bus. I was 14, 15 years old. And I'm walking, walking home, you know, but still got to go through these different sets. And I saw him standing by a fence. And the next thing I know is like he said something to me, but I know him from school, right? And so I'm like, hey man, what's up? And he's like, look, you see that car over there? And I was like, yeah, he's like, they want to rob you. Now what I like you. So I don't want nobody to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you. So, and he showed me the handle of the gun. He was like, hey, so why don't you just give me your stuff and 
just keep walking down the street. We can act like you just handed it to me and no big deal. Right. I got he's my age, but the car was a bunch of grown men. These are guys at that time. You know, I'm a teenager. So at that time, they're probably 26, 27 years old to me grown, you know. So I'm like, all right. And I gave him my stuff. Um, and I still had to sit in school with this dude when he would show up for class. But what am I to do? You know, um, so having to understand what it's like to be a victim at the whim of somebody else. Now, I could fight. That was my thing. I would I would punch you in the face. I would knock your teeth out like I've never been somebody that was scared of conflict. I just didn't prefer it. And I definitely didn't want to kill anybody. Um, so I'm like, well, what what are my fists going to do against a gun? Like, right. So the moment I punch this guy, his other buddies in that car are going to shoot me. And I know that to be a fact because kids got shot all the time. So I'm like, yeah, let me let me not make that mistake. So I gave up my stuff, went to school every day and just had to, it had to eat it, had to live with that man um, and got robbed a couple of more times walking home from different different gang territories, different sets uh, was surround me and, and robbed me a couple of times. And um, yeah, still St. Louis, uh, still in the Walnut Park area. So uh, it was it was an open experience. And I decided that I was going to not allow that to be the case. So fortunately, my mom being the, the fighter she is, she said, hey, what we're going to do is uh, she surprised me with a car. All right. She bought me a car. She actually bought me a car. Uh, at, I was 15 and a half and I had a car. Now, it wasn't a great car. Uh, it was a, a Plymouth Champion. It looks just like the Dodge Omni. And it was a little bitty car. I was a big old kid, and but it was cool. It was the best thing uh, in the world to me. And the reason she bought that car for me is for I could drive to school. So even before I had a driver's license, I was driving a manual uh, car, which these kids will never know that struggle, uh, driving a manual car um, to school just where I can avoid walking through those areas before one day I didn't make it back home. Uh, so that set me up to continue to fight, um, continue to push. I even had to drop out of school. And I'm only telling you guys this because this is what um, people need to understand. Uh, because a lot of times our story, as far as people that come from these environments, doesn't get represented. A lot of the, um, a lot of the influences and, and pressures that came from that uh, were were harsh. So I did work a job. I've been working since I was 15. I got a work permit, which is something you had to do if you were under 16 in the state of Missouri. And I got a work permit and I went to work at McDonald's. I worked at White Castles, uh, just taking on any job I can because I always wanted to be responsible. I didn't want to sell drugs. It, it's just not something I wanted to do. Uh, but mom needed some help and I wanted to help mom. So I became such a workaholic. My last semester of junior year in high school, I dropped out because I just wanted to work. I uh, just thought, like, you know what? I'm just going to go to work. I'm just going to make money. Me and mom are going to make it. You know, uh, school isn't isn't going to be the provider right now. I need to go to work. Uh, so I talked to my school and I was like, look, this is just what I need to do. And they didn't like it, of course. Uh, they 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 fought me. Uh, but what could you do? You couldn't make me stay. And I realized at that time, like, OK, still something's missing. So I decided that I was going to go back to school after that semester and fight my butt off. And I did. I went back. I worked my tail off and I graduated with my class the same day I would originally walk across the stage. Same people that I was meant to graduate with in the first place. So kind and, of took a semester huh? off, took a semester off, semester off for a semester. I'm sorry, say that one more time. Took a semester off, doubled up for a semester. Yeah, yeah. And when I came back, I came back with a vengeance, man. I mean, it was home and school. I didn't go out with my friends, and I had a car. I had actually, I wound up buying a, a second little jalopy, um, and I, I was, 
I was just home in school. I cut down on work and I was just a fighter. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Uh, my friends would be like, hey, man, come on. No, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want to go outside. I'm not. Um, and I did. I graduated with my class. I fought back and I graduated with them. Now, from there, sets the tone. Uh, sets more of the tone of who I'm going to be as a man. So I decided that I'm not going to be a victim. I'm just not. And I mean, a victim of my environment. I wasn't going to be a victim of suicide. I just wasn't, you know, uh, and I wanted to take control of my life. So I did. Uh, I went around, worked some odd end jobs. I picked up a couple of trades here and there. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to, uh, I was working for a cable company and I was like, you know, what would be cool. I want to be a cop. That'd be cool. I'm gonna be a cop because I know I can help the people where I'm from. I know I can. I'm not scared of conflict. I know I don't pretend to be a tough guy, but I'm not a coward either. So I'm like, yeah, I can do it. And I know how to talk to people. I know how to communicate. I know the struggle. I know their story. And I could potentially help them. Right. Because police didn't come over in my neighborhood a lot. Well, I can be the cop that goes over a lot. So kids like me don't have to be afraid to walk up the street to go to school. Right. So I'm like, I can go back and I can change this. Uh, and I went into the PD and I was really, really, really heavy at the time. I was well over 400 pounds. And I went into the PD and I walked right in human resources and a receptionist said, hey, you know, um, it was St. Louis City Police Department. And the receptionist was standing there with a sergeant and they were friendly. She was like, hey, how can I help you? I was like, I'm here to be a cop. <laughs> she chuckled. She's like, really? I said, yes, that's what I'm here to do. The sergeant just kind of looked at me and he was like, tell me why. And I just went on this, this tyrant of why I, I should be a cop. And he pulled me to the side. And he was like, hey, I'll tell you what. I'm going to interview you. But, you know, he made a joke. He's like, you and Burger King are a little bit too close. So you're probably not ready for the streets right now. But let, let's interview you for this job uh, in our prisoner processing division. I was like, OK, cool. And he did. He called me in a couple of days later for the interview. Uh, it was a panel interview. So I got all these captains and lieutenants and sergeants sitting around. And they interviewed me and they loved me. And it was just, you know, they, they hired me on the spot. They were like, OK, we got to go through all the human resources uh, stuff, but you're hired. And I started with the PD a couple of weeks later and they took me down um, to the police academy to the firing range. Now, this time I'm in the building with a lot of professionals and I picked up a gun. And this time I wasn't con contemplating suicide. This time I realized I was in full control. And the moment that I shot the firearm came out all these questions. Hey, why did that thing go bang? What's this thing moving? Why did it move that way? Why did the bullet go there? What is a bullet? Well, is this whole thing the bullet? Well, why are we shooting at this distance? What do you mean? What's a bullet drop? What's penetration? What are you talking about? Like, I just kept coming with all the questions. And it kind of annoyed the instructors. But at the same time, they knew I was naturally intrigued with this thing. Like, what is this magical stick in my hand? Like, what is this thing? And um, from from there, I just became addicted to it. And I just I stopped that range. And I wanted to know everything I could know about guns, obviously being in the police department. Uh, we did have responsibility of prisoners. I did have to take firearms training. I had to be proficient with a gun. I went out and sought my own training after that. I was um, eventually down the line. I would take uh, training with um, the local HRT teams from different areas, uh, especially when active shooters started to become a concern. So I was doing active uh, shooter drills with a lot of these guys and running around. And I was just having a blast. I was. I was obviously learning a lot about the laws, a lot about self-awareness and uh, combat and all those things being in that PD, especially dealing with, you know, rapers, murderers and things like that. So self-defense and training and um, everything around it just became life. 
it did. It just became life and I became addicted to it. So I like to say that the, the, that department made me focus on something bigger than me. It made me focus on what could I do to actually give back to my fellow man. Uh, but while there, I noticed something. You can get tied up in dealing with all the bad guys, but sometimes they're just good people that made bad decisions. And that's what I noticed. So part of my job was to, to stand there and look at families, try to beat their way through the glass to get their loved ones back, right? Their loved one, they thought whatever they did in the, in the means of self-defense was legal. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You're right. This is for me. I was all involved in the state laws. I'm, I mean, I'm going up to Jefferson City and I'm at the police department. I mean, I'm all over guns. If it involved guns, I'm there. And I'm like, no, guys, you can't. No, like you can't. No, this is why you're charged with that. You can't do that. They're like, well, I didn't know. I'm like, you're right. And then I will have a lot of um, of the some of the the evil that will walk through that I will witness. I'm like, people need to realize that the 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 evil that you see in movies really does exist. So how can I do both? So there was actually a female uh, student was my first student, and I decided that I was going to start training people to defend themselves and training them. something happened with a bat or running them over with your car or stabbing them like no these these aren't the things you should be doing so i decided to start no other choice firearms training very unofficial at first just me i will take you out i would train a lot of police cadets if they wanted to learn more about guns and it would just be me helping people you know i wasn't certifying anybody i was just giving them a skill set and I loved it. I did. I loved it. And some years later, a little while later, I decided to be LLC and I started no other choice firearms training officially in the state of Missouri. And it, the philosophy behind no other choice was make sure before you ever place a negative impact on a human life, even if they deserve it, make sure you're at the point of no other choice before you do. Make sure you've extended God's grace to that individual before you impact them in that way. It doesn't mean be hurt. It doesn't mean allow yourself to be a sacrificial lamb for their, for whatever their cause is. It does not mean that or any other innocent person. It's just make sure you're thinking about things methodically before you imply this amount of force, whether it be with a gun, a bat, a brick, fire, whatever your choice of weapon is that day. Um, make sure that you understand truly what self-defense is. And it's really about defending yourself and the preservation of life. And sometimes that, that comes with grace and mercy. And I wanted people to have that knowledge. And But I, then again, I wanted people to be safe. And I wanted you to be able to drop evil. If evil approached you and meant you harm, I wanted you to be able to execute evil with no prejudice. So I'm out the balance. Yeah, go ahead. So when there are a lot of times that presence of mind just is, uh, requires a little bit of awareness ahead of time to know that the, that might be, you might be called to that level. And some people like, it sounds like you experienced or exposed to it without ever thinking about it ahead of time and, and dealing with the consequences, like you say, of ignorance or unawareness of whatever the circumstances were there with self-defense situations. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, one thing I tell people all the time, even if you take the training that I would receive uh, on my own or I received through the PE or uh, whatever academy I was going through at the time, because I, I used to just try to absorb training, one thing I will say, and I say it with a light heart, but I mean it, um, there almost isn't anybody on the planet that has better situational awareness than somebody that grows up in the inner city. You, you almost, you can't mimic that. 
you really get a keen sense of your situational awareness really quick because it's literally life or death every day. So, um, yeah, paying attention to things. And part of that was me teaching people like, hey, these are the things you're looking for. These are the things you want to watch out for, because the best self-defense is not to be in a situation in the first place. All right. So, um, you know, how do we avoid that? And what does that look like? And identifying those things. And I just became I just I just fell in love with giving people that type of power. So I, I like to say that the one thing being the gun when I was a child, the one thing that threatened my life um, that were that I looked at, I'm sorry, that I looked at as a tool that could end my depression and, and end all those things that I was going to use to end my life. I've now grabbed it, taken control of it, and I use it to protect lives and to teach people how to protect their lives. And if, if that's not a turnaround, I don't know what is. So in the unique perspective on the tool or the object, you know, and it's the different ways it can be used, of course, but exactly like treating it for what it is, an object, a tool. Yep. And a lot of times we don't we don't get to hear um, it doesn't make me special. And I, I want to make sure people understand that. I'm not saying I'm special. I don't believe I'm special. I believe that I have been given the opportunity to amplify voices like mine that we normally don't get to hear in these type of conversations. So um, from no other choice, I guess I can get into aiming for the truth, which is another thing that came from my environment. So aiming for the truth uh, is a good transition. I'm liking the way this is going because I really wasn't sure. I, I gave you a really you know, open outline, but I think it's, it's flowing well. But there was a question that came in from CloverTech I wanted to throw at you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was curious what type of student you were growing up. I'm guessing he means grades-wise. Oh, I was a, a straight-A beast. I was an honor roll student. Yeah, always. I took school series. Right on. And then a question that I kind of had to follow up with that, you mentioned taking the semester off and then doubling up. And obviously, it sounds like grades-wise, you didn't suffer. Uh, and then you talked about having the resolve to you know, just keep going. And one of my questions later is going to be, you know, why you do it. And you've kind of explained this and you're, you know, in, you are in the process of explaining it. Uh, but I just wanted to throw out there, did going back and finishing high school, getting that uh, degree as opposed to putting it off and knowing that you could get a GED later, did that play a role in how you went forward? You know, it didn't. I didn't even think about a GED. And they, you know, obviously they were available, but I, I didn't. I, just when I had that awakening, um, part of it was, I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be this guy out here just working and working and working, or I don't want to keep working and one day realize this job doesn't work and what else can I do to make money? You know, and then your mind gets to wondering and then your, your options are limited because, and I've always been a forward thinker. So even as a, a teenager, I'm thinking like, well, if my options are limited because of education, what might I fall into doing? You know, like, like a life strategy. If I do this now, it's an easy opportunity but what is that going to cost me later yep exactly that that forward thinking that forecasting your life is what i tell a lot of young guys and you have to be honest about that and then the another thing that drove me though i'm kind of glad that you and clover are on this uh this path right now another thing that drove me is that my parents uh, oh, you broke up here my parents neither one of them made it past the eighth grade as far as education goes neither one and my mom is a brainiac but she had to work and support a kid. Um, my mom was 13 when she conceived me, 14 when she had me. So um, she didn't make it past eighth grade. And so that I, a push for you, a drive for you. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, to where now I'm looking back and, and all this is, is relevant when I'm when I'm talking to people about being motivated. Um, I'm looking back now. It's like, OK, my parents didn't make it past eighth grade. They make it past eighth grade education, but their offspring. And I stand up proudly and say, hey, you know what? That's OK. Your son not only graduated from high school, he picked up two degrees along the way. So I have an undergrad and a master's. So it's 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 breaking that generational curse It's snapping those curses to say, no, we will not be victim to those situations. We will build upon each other and be better. And that's exactly what I decided to do. Um, so I this that school became a thing for me. And I, for when I started working at the PD, I stopped going to school a little bit because I got I had my high school diploma. I had a you know a pretty decent job um, and they started they offered um, reimbursement. So eventually, after being there for a few years, I was like, hey, let me take advantage of that. And I started going back to school. So uh, from, man, I want to say for about 10 years total, I worked two jobs. And I always uh, did secondary work or some type of security work, bodyguard services, something. So I always worked two jobs and I went to school. So I was always busy and I was so busy. I didn't really have time for a lot of foolishness. Well, it's always good, right? Idle hands or whatever they say. Now I'm going to take a second and nerd out for a moment since we're talking about guns. That gun that you talked about at the uh, the academy, I guess, uh, that you fell in love with, was that a Glock or a Beretta or what were you we talking there? No, no. You know, the funny thing was, and you're, I'm going to kill me because I don't remember the model, but it was um, the old um, 38 Blue Steel uh, Smith & Wesson thin barrel revolvers. Um, okay, I, I could it was a police issue yeah it was um it was i mean the guns weren't great now there were a lot of guns in the room there were some semi-automatics in the room but at my skill level i wasn't able to shoot semi-autos they started me off with the wheel gun um but the uh the police department at that time had beretta 92s so that was where the guns i weren't allowed to shoot yet i wasn't ready for that yet right on and then uh, you talked a bit about taking some courses throughout your law enforcement career are those like extending uh continuing education type of things or is that like we need uh, all hands on deck for this training or were those opportunities i'm sorry you faded out there for a second yeah i don't know if i'm having the connection issue here but uh were those things that you pursued or were those things that were just targets opportunity that came along uh which opportunities are you speaking of oh sorry the law enforcement up training that you talked about um, some of them were mandated. Some of the basic stuff was mandated, like it was part of the job, uh, because our job entailed, you know, you have to transport prisoners. Uh, you had to, we were responsible for defending headquarters and things like that. So um, you would you would be where you needed a gun. So you had to take a lot of the training. A lot of the other stuff, some of the guys uh, that worked with me, worked with me and invited me to other trainings because they knew I was so passionate about it. Um, because like if you were a, uh, if you walk through the door and I knew that you kind of sort of like guns, like I had the magazines in your face. I'm like, have you seen this thing? Like, what do you think about it? And so and then I was also in love with the defense aspect of it. Like, hey, you know, because in my environment, I had to be very observant and obviously where I come from. So professionally and personally, I had to be very observant and we would always discuss self-defense and why do you do this? And so eventually. So Kevin cut out for me there. I don't know if, you cut out for me there. I don't know if it's me or you. So audience, give us some uh, feedback. Am I cutting out also? Or has Kevin been loud and clear? 
But you cut out there as you were explaining the end of uh, those up trainings. I heard you. I just want to make sure you can hear me. Am I clear to you? Yeah, you're good to go. OK, so um, what basically happened is I went through mandated training that you just, everybody had to do. Uh, from there, uh, a lot of opportunities uh, came up to do extra training because guys realized a lot of patrolmen realized I was really, really, really into it. So they would invite me to things. And as time went on, uh, I started looking into like just going to take pistol classes myself and take some rifle classes myself and always sitting around a round table discussing techniques and teachings with guys. And then when I got a chance to, to go do uh, after shooter training with uh, a lot of the special uh, special guys from around the area and I was able to run with those dudes, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can do this. Like, I'm really doing this. And from there, I was like, OK, um, I'm going to start teaching people. I'm going to always learn, but I'm definitely at a point where I can start teaching people. So that's how those opportunities kind of kind of came and it just, you know, just happens. It was just being right and people understanding that this guy actually has a love for it. So let us help him out, get access to training that he probably normally wouldn't have access to. Right on. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask, because I suspected it was that way. And I want to encourage people, if you're into guns, let others know, because you never know when somebody's going to say, oh, you're into guns. Come with me this weekend or next weekend or something. So one of the things I thought was cool, I think it was I don't think I don't remember. It was one of the two things at the gun rights policy conference last year uh, when you got up and did your speech. They you, you mentioned something like, oh, I'm a firearms trainer, but you can can throw something and, and three firearms trainers because, you, you know, as much as you appreciate it and you enjoy it, you're aiming for the truth uh, is beyond that. And I think is, is this a good transition? Because you're about to I interrupted you before when you're about to transition from how you went from your life history to training and how that developed, but then to aiming for the truth, which I think is freaking awesome. Oh, thanks. No, this is, this is perfect, man. Perfect. Um, so aiming for the truth is something I've been doing for a long time. Now, I just gave it, I, I, I solidified everything in one spot because I was running around a lot. And so aiming for the truth is exactly that. And that's why I made the, the remark I made at the conference about you can throw a rock and hit a firearm instructor. You know, that's 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 easy to find. Uh, so I don't spend a lot of time trying to, in, to impress anybody for anything, but I'm not going to try to impress you with the fact that I can shoot a gun. If you ever want to, if you ever want to know, I can, sh if I can shoot a gun, show up to a class. I've taken classes in front of a lot of people. I've taught classes, in, uh, to a lot of students. You don't see a bad review on me online. You can't find a video of me doing something silly. I can shoot a gun. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. What's next. Can I teach people? Absolutely. I can look at the reviews. You can see them just like I can see them. Clearly, I can do that. OK, but what are we doing beyond that? Or what am I doing beyond that? I don't, I don't think everybody else is responsible uh, for everything, but I feel responsible for a lot. And one of the things I always wanted to do was be a mentor to people that were having any of the struggles that I experienced. Right. Uh, even when it comes to dealing with weight loss, but from the real life stuff like, hey, I understand what it's like to be depressed. People often miss the point that when you grow up, everybody associates, generally anyway, associates PTSD with guys that are back, guys or girls that come back from service. Well, if we can cite that more people are dying in the inner city than are dying in wars lately, what kind of experience do you think that the people in these cities are having? That PTSD could also come from somebody that lives on a farm that's watching dad beat mom every day.
You know what I mean? Like, like PTSD comes in a lot of forms. So I wanted to share with people that what we need to realize is you have a lot of a lot of people that are mentally affected from living in a war zone every day. And sometimes people don't realize that that's some of the struggle they're going through. But I did. So I want to I want to talk to you about that. So I would run around and I would just talk to people. I would talk to kids. I would, I would, I would just try to give them inspiration. I would tell them, like, hey, man, I understand you live here. I lived here. But guess what? Going to school is still something you need to do. Uh, yeah, I get it. The, the, the dudes are around. I get it that they're selling dope. I get it that their cars look better than yours. I get it. I, I get the girls love them. I get it. But guess what? That's, they're not going to be around long. Right. And I will point out like I will point to houses and be like, I remember that house had a guy that sold dope lived in it. That house had a, had this kind of family. And you know what? None of those people are alive today. But I still am. And just really giving them that that hard hitting. Oh, wow. I better get it together. Right. Um, so I also wanted to help them understand things that I had to learn the hard way. You, a lot of times we would hear. People have children out there that they're not supporting and they would say, well, guess what? I didn't have a dad, so they'll be all right. I don't know how to do this. OK, so. I didn't either. And so what I used that experience to tell people was that, hey, you know, instead of making that excuse about you didn't have a father, I want you to sit back and I want you to think about all. And this is just me just talking. I was like, just sit back and think about all the days you were disappointed. Think about all those times. I remember when I sat in my window waiting on my dad to come pick me up to pick up this new Huffy bike and he never showed up. I remember that day. I remember crying because as a as a uh, I think I was around 12 or 13 at the time. I, I remember sitting crying because I didn't know what a man was. Like I knew what a male was, but I couldn't define what a man was. And it's going through puberty and all that kind of crap, right? And you're trying to figure yourself out. And I'm like, I don't know what a man is. You know, like, what is a man? Um, so really freaking out about that. And a lot of these guys use that as an excuse. And I would challenge them. I said, no, you just make sure your offering never experienced that type of pain. No, get up off your butt and you're going to do better. And I would do that. And then I would talk to people about how to write a resume because a lot of people didn't have those skill sets. And I would help people do mock interviews for jobs. I would go. I would, you know, if, if somebody needed some food, you know, I would I would feed them. And I just wanted to I just wanted to be a part of the healing. I wanted but I didn't want to heal in a way of, oh, poor you. I wanted to heal in a way of, hey, that sucks. Get off, off get off your ass and make it better. You know, so. I would run around and do that. And I was always kind hearted and helping people. And I have a special place in my heart for kids. So just doing what I can do with my money to help families. That's all I was doing. And one day uh, I was sitting, I was talking to my wife and we're like, you know, why don't instead of running around, why don't I put it all under one roof? And she was like, yeah. And we sat back and we talked and she loves to take credit for coming up with the name. Um, Oh, it cut out right there. Yeah, we're aiming for the truth. And yeah, yeah. And you know, and hold on, it cut out right when you said she likes to take credit for the names. So oh, okay. Yeah. My wife likes to take credit for um the aiming for the truth, the, the title of the company. She always tells me I owe I owe her royalties all the time. Um, but we were sitting at dinner one night and I was like, All right, so I'm I'm because I used to say I'm focused on the issues. And she was like, OK, and we kept talking. I was like, yeah, I'm aiming for the, the, the true reasons around crime. I'm tired of people blaming guns and we're just sitting there talking. And she was like, OK. And I came up with the title and she shortened it down. And thus we have aiming for the truth. Uh, so I was like, all right, cool, great. And I'm putting all this under one roof. And so what I decided to do. Have an event. All right. 
And oh, I ended- okay. Hold on. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is to, to nail down, if possible, the month and year of that conversation where you came up with the name. Um, so we came up with the name roughly, ooh, ooh, I don't know, six, six years ago now. It's been a while. Um, but we were at a we were at a Mexican restaurant having some food and with a couple of friends. And I was frustrated because I, I get really passionate you know, once we get to really talking about guns and human rights and civil rights. I get to going and I was just sitting there at the table and they're listening to me, talking to me and you know, a bunch of friends. And that's when I said, you know what, instead of running around, I need to put this thing in one place. I can't I can't go help. I mean, I can, but I'm not being as helpful if if I had everybody in one room. Like I'm over here trying to help this person. Then I'm running around trying to help that guy. And then I'm I'm trying to work and feed my family. And I'm like, I need to consolidate. (laughs) You know, the reason the gas money you save can go towards more effort, right? Exactly. (laughs) One of the things I think is interesting is that every effort out there that's awesome is somebody started a conversation like that and somebody was challenged, right? And and those go unrecorded and and often the organization grows and continues on and no one knows. A couple of people might have heard you ask that, you know, talk about it. But anyway, so I'm going to encourage you to take some time in the future and uh, elaborate that story or something on the about page so that it's just there on the internet. But uh, I didn't want to interrupt too much there, but I, I do value the, the, the origin stories of the organizations that are that are worthwhile out there. So thanks for taking the time to do that. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. So you, you came up with the name. Yeah, so we, um, we came up with the name and I was like, okay, cool. So um, what I'm going to do next is that I'm going to make a Aiming for the truth, which just for a breakdown for people, what it does. And so I already knew what I was doing and it was just coming up with the title and putting it under one roof. And so what we do at Aiming for the Truth is we are aiming for the truth about what causes violence. And we're aiming for the true reasons of violence so we can kill it at its source. Thus, we can have people being less violent themselves. So what conditions are causing people to resort to violence? And because everybody's not born, I mean, everybody's born with a sense of violence in them, but everybody's not born just to be violent. So what's causing them to really go down that path? And so the first thing I want to deal with is when I was a, a kid, right? The, the mental effect, the mental issues. Well, let's talk about that. And I'm not, a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I know them and I do have the personal story. So why don't I bring my personal story and my achievement and couple that with my therapist friends? I'm always sending the people to them anyway, so I was like, cool, we'll bring them in. And that's what I do. I bring in a therapist to actually address it. And they're there for you. Now, they're not going to stand up and talk about your personal issues in front of everybody, but they're there as a resource. So at the event, you're able to go over to their table, talk to them, set an appointment at their office and go have those discussions. But I'm going to be your source of freedom to share because I'm going to openly share. I'm going to allow you somebody to look at and say, OK, I can relate to that guy and I need to purge, too. Then we get into dealing with the the issues of the family, right? And so the first thing I do is is talk about fatherless households and not in a way that is talked about in the media, not in a way that people say mean things online. Oh, well, if you had dads back in the in the home, you know, your black communities wouldn't have, and like like they forget they're talking to Americans. Uh, your black communities wouldn't have all these problems. It's not as simple as that, idiot. You know, there's, there are a lot of things that go into these things and you have to be able to break them down in a very methodical way for you can heal them 
at their at the true genesis of the problems and how do we do that well it's all about challenging but how do you challenge people where they feel motivated right and so um what inspired me to really bring that in the event is that the, uh tony dungy it's a former uh head coach of the indianapolis Colts, started this program through the nfl called all pro dad i get called up by a local school elementary school to come run their program for them uh so they they had a syllabus and all those things and you would come up and you would facilitate it i'm like oh this is kind of cool and in two years in two years because I'm, I'm a rambunctious so i went off that syllabus a lot but in two years we managed to connect count them seven zeros 70 fathers back into the lives of their children and the tears that flow in the room and the kids holding parents responsible and the dads just wanted to do better and i'm like this is what i'm talking about because now what people aren't seeing is that we get dads back in the lives with their kids who dad is now focused on being in the life with their kids so dad's not out doing whatever because he's with his kid the kid is able to hold dad accountable for being there for them right so now you have this child that's not being led astray because they have somebody that's going to hold them accountable for life now you're starting to heal generations and you don't and people don't realize that and that's what i'm doing at aiming for the truth and i'm going to challenge parents on being better parents but in a way where they're motivated to do it and they don't feel ashamed to do it uh part of that is telling them uh, the story and i speak to them like i'm speaking as the child this is what you are doing to me this is what you're having me experience this is what i'm probably going to turn out to be this is how you can prevent all that from happening and then giving them tips and tricks how do you stretch 10 bucks to have a great day with your kid what do you say what are they really looking for do you really think every time you show up you have to have a gift the gift is you you are the gift and just really inspiring them to realize that and getting them back passionate about being that dad despite what they've seen and despite what mistakes they've made right so doing that and then after that giving people the encouragement to get your kids out of their the environment they see every day a lot of people don't even know how to sign up for Boy Scouts. A lot of people don't know about different programs that might be in their community. So I'll make it a point to look up some of these programs and present them to them and invite some of the program representatives out. So, hey, if you want to put your kids in Boy Scouts, they're here. So your kid every weekend or every other weekend can go out and they can learn what fishing is. They can learn what what you know what it is to make a, a knife. They can learn what it is to be outdoors and see something different. Not saying that they shouldn't appreciate where they come from, but let's show them the world. Let Hold them on. experience. Let me take a second there. Were you a scout? No, I was not. But I always wanted to be, and that was part of the reasons why I always asked the scouts to come in. Right um, appreciate that you do it, scout and. Uh, one of the things that's often overlooked, a lot of people think of scouting as activities because they do activities, but a lot of it is also the empowerment of leadership. And you have troops that are run by the uh, older scouts. So the younger scouts see older scouts in positions of leadership and organizing, uh, doing all the petty and fun roles and distributing power and you know governing and all that. So you learn all kinds of responsibility and you get empowered because then as you grow older, you, you get into those leadership roles. So there's a lot to scouting. So I appreciate that you're bringing that to people. Oh, no, no problem. And you're right. And uh, yeah, it's a lot that, that goes in it. And so I try to do that. And then if, if there's a local tutoring service um, that offers like free tutoring for kids, I'll invite them in. Uh, that's for your 
kid has options. So if your kid's not doing well in school, here are some options for you. If your kid, if you're busy on a weekend, you don't think you have much money, Scouts doesn't cost a lot. Hey, here you go. Here's some things. And we use the donations to help pay for things like that. Um, so like, here you go. You um, and, and we try to make sure that the family is healed. Then we also talk about how you can have a positive relationship with the other parent of that child, whether you're together or not. And we also talk about, so after we've got the family together, now we want to make sure uh, dad has the ability, or mom, whoever it is, has the ability to make money. Some of the times, some things are a small hindrance. I've had plenty of men well into their 30s approach me and say, hey, man, I don't know how to write a resume. I don't know how to tie a tie but I want to go get a job. Um, but I've been working the same job or I've never worked a job, whatever. I want to do better with my life. What do I do? How do I do this? So I obviously am a resource. I, I've helped tons of people write resumes. I've did mock interviews with a lot of people. I mean, I've sat on people front porches and set up, you know, just a couple of fold out rusty steel chairs with traffic rolling by, making them focus on me and conduct an interview and beating them up about interview skills. I've done that. Uh, but I also like linking up with organizations that have the full power and throttle. So in St. Louis, I work with an organization called Connections to Success, and they, they specialize in it. So I'm able to invite them in and they're able to say, OK, we have all these services and we will help you with that. We get you clothing. We do all those things and I help the people and then they help the people. And so we can get you the clothes for the interview. We can get you to interview skills. We can, you know, get you a source to come to and, and be better from when you can step into these jobs or these interviews. You can get be gainfully employed. And let's talk about that. And let's talk about a little bit of your money management. You know, we're not here to do a whole financial course, but we can speak about some some topics just to get you thinking. Right. And then, of course, offer you those resources as well. So now we can have dad or mom supplying for the family that they now are invested into, that they now love, that they now understand, and they understand some of the hurdles that were preventing that. And some of it could have been the mental conditioning. So we- And the, we lack, the lack of awareness, man. So I don't know where to interrupt you here, but there's a couple of things that I just, I think I know where we're going and I wanna stop before we get to the part where it's all gonna wrap back up to this being a gun topic. But um, so just to, uh, if I, is this a good place to stop or did I catch you at a bad point? You're just there's a better place to, to take a couple of questions. Um, I think I should uh, just a couple of more minutes to wrap it, wrap this up, and then I'll be open for the questions on it. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so after we talk about, you know, the family structure and get through the family structure, um, then we we talk about a couple other topics. And sometimes we have to swim depending on what the audience is. And the question is this, and then I'll be open for any questions you have. But the question is this. Now I want you to close your eyes and I want you to envision using just a couple of the resources available for you for you today or just using some knowledge or some insight you picked up today about yourself. And I want you to think about whomever it may be that might want to deprive you of. Break it up. Think about whoever it might be that's. Uh, I can't. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. At what part? I broke up right as you said. Think about who it might be that deprives you. Oh, uh, yeah. Think about somebody that might deprive you of this life you're going to work hard for. I have them close their eyes and do that. Then when they open their eyes, everybody says yes. I'm like, now let's talk about the protection of the equity you have envisioned. 
Let's talk about how you protect this valuable life of yours. Because once people understand that they have equity in themselves, they're willing to protect it. When they don't feel like they're worth anything, what are they protecting, right? Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. There's nothing there. But now we've helped you see some sense of equity. And now that you have that equity, let's talk about the protection of that equity via this thing called the Second Amendment. Now let's get you engaged in your rights. Now let's get you engaged in the protection of that. Because when gun guys talk or gun girls talk, we'll say Second Amendment, right? And you are you are imagining the train smoke of things that comes with that because you are aware. You're aware of my family, my rights, my 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 right to live, uh, all the great people out here. In the, like you're aware of all these things because you are envisioning envisioning a sense of equity and value in what you're protecting. Well, a lot of people don't see it that way, and we never make that connection, right? Everybody thinks shooting guns and doing cool gun videos is the connection. It is not, right? So let's make that. And then I don't have to sell you. And I, I do. I do a small educational constitutional moment there. I take about 10 minutes and I educate them on a brief. And I'm, it's hard hitting gun laws and where they came from originally. And a couple of hard hitting facts. Like when I talk about the French codes and things like that, they're like, what? And I'm like, yes. And then it all comes together. But I don't have to do it for you. You then start to connect the dots. Because you won't defend my position, but you will defend yours. So if I guide you to your own opinion, you'll defend that, right? And so that's when people—that's how I introduce people in that platform to the Second Amendment, and that's how I do it. So now I'm ready for any questions you got. Right on, I love it. So we got people watching, and like I say, this is interactive. So you've got a resource here, and uh, you know, ask questions. So I have a couple just uh, to to make sure I got my rinder on it. So these are workshops for the most part now that evolve from your individual outreach. Was that through church or just through people you knew or through work originally? Uh, it would, it would just, so with my work, uh, work was a big inspiration because, you know, I would obviously working in, in the area, I would see a lot of, uh, young guys, uh, be arrested for various things. Right. And so I would just start talking to them like, man, what are you doing? And I would go back to my own neighborhood, too. And I would talk to friends and everybody always called me a philosopher. So I would I, if you would listen, I would talk. If I saw a person in a bad situation, I would try to talk about it. Uh, but a lot of it was uh, definitely back at the PD. You see these kids getting arrested. I'm like, what are you doing with your life? And they didn't expect somebody to say that to them. Right. It's more or less getting a sale, shut your mouth, blah, blah, blah. That's what they expected. But sometimes I would challenge. I'm like, man, what are you doing with your life? You know, what do you mean? I'm like, no, what are you doing? And I would just start challenging them and we would talk. And a lot of times I would take time out of my day just to talk. Uh, you're locked up. You're arrested. You're thinking I'm just going to. I mean, part of my job was to be pretty stern. Don't get me wrong. But. Oh, it's cutting out again. I tell you what, I'm going to screen share uh, my screen here. And up here, the thing that like, you never had the guidance. You never had the help. Your environment made you that way. But let's change how you view the environment for it can have less of an impact on you. Kevin, I'm going to ask you, see my screen here? Uh, there's this toolbar that'll happen when it, you hover above over here. And if you throttle it down just a bit, maybe that'll stop some of that stuff because we're not using the video. It cut out there a minute. But you were answering that uh, you would challenge the kids with what they're doing with their lives as they were probably waiting around or in process. 
Okay, you, you cut out for a long time now. Where is this toolbar you were talking about? Oh, sorry, I'll screen share again. So if you hover above the chat, it'll appear. And then there's this, I don't know, bars looking thing. You can hover that around and I'll move mine back up. I guess I move mine down as an example. Okay, hover above the chat. Let's see. Oh, just bandwidth. Okay, here it is. Here we go. So, um, uh, Gathering the thoughts again, when you were, I was asking uh, where this originated, the uh, kind of outreach, the personal outreach you had, and you were answering, what kind of um, um, success rate? Was it discouraging, or was there immediate uh, value in what you were, you know, your outreach? Uh, definitely one-on-one. Um, uh, -on -one. It was successful to me because I knew I was impacting lives but definitely disappointing because I couldn't pack out rooms. Because there was no way to figure, you know, to know the results or they, some of them were just in, they were going in and there was nothing you could do about it. Uh, yeah, so I mean, some people you will lose. I mean, you're gonna, in, you're, in, in any war, you're always gonna have casualties, right? Um, but it, it does do me well to see a lot of people that learn from the experiences and have actually healed too. So um, I think from an organizational standpoint, a, a room with 300 people and really get them going uh, but at the same time knowing that you've touched you know 10 or 15 lives is, is pretty remarkable you know at, at one time you know so when i look back throughout the years i i don't know the number but i can just stop at 70 when i mean getting 70 dads connected back with their with their kids this approach of talking about it the way i talk about it in 2018 um i know it was 2017 uh i know we calculated i calculated 300 people that uh, were not into guns that are now shooting and shooting proficiently because they had a personal connection through a conversation. Uh, some of them came to the event. Uh, some of them just watched me online, but 300 individuals started to take their lives serious, grab control of their lives and got into uh, the sport of firearms as a means of protecting it. Right on. So another question, just um, I guess nuts and bolts type of question. So these evolved from, again, just going out and meeting with people individually and stuff, and then you decided to get people together. So these are uh, seminars. You, you set up a room or you get some space somewhere and you bring people together. Um, when you talked about bringing the dads and the rest of the family, you know, sometimes they're estranged or whatever the word would be. Uh, do you do that separately or is, is was it a, were you able to bring everybody together in one big room as a group thing? Uh, no, I invite everybody in the room at one time. We're all going to have a conversation. We're not going to hide anything. Awesome. And I love the idea that you're not just shaming or scolding. You're offering a bunch of uh, tools to empower people. And like you say, all in the uh, goal of giving them equity. So giving them some insight, I think you, br you brought up. I think that's the best word to describe it, right? You're giving people a little insight to stuff they probably know, right? It's just that they never had a chance to have it you know, put in front of them, let's say. And man, I think that's awesome. So uh, you had a chance to kind of briefly describe that uh, at the Gun Rights Policy Conference there. I'm hoping that we gave you enough time to talk about, you know, and again, you, we didn't really emphasize the training, but I know Dano is watching out there and he's a big fan. He, he's experienced a lot of different decent training. And he's a, he can't speak highly enough of your training, so I don't want to discount it. But you know, I think the uh, I, I just was blown away by your boots on the ground efforts here, and 
and the, the way that you're tackling it. Uh, so I don't want to cut it off if there's something else to describe about it. But I, and I think you got to the end there where, again, you're giving people and some, some, uh, some tools to, to, to get ahead and then to, to create some equity, like you say, in their, their lives. And then uh, the challenge of, hey, why are you going to let somebody take that? Why would you ask somebody to take their means of uh, uh, protection from that? I love it. Um, so I, I guess I did. I asked the question, didn't let you answer. Do did you want to keep describing that, or can we go on to the next section? Oh, we, I mean, we can go on to the next section. Um, that was pretty much the event. The only thing I will add, well, two things. One, let me say to Dano, it was great having him in class. He is an awesome guy. Uh, definitely one of the favorite people I've ever uh, I've ever had the privilege of uh, instructing. Uh, he's just as great of a person as he's given me compliments as being an instructor. He's a, he's a great dude. Um, the Another thing that we do at the Aiming for the uh, Truth event, too, uh, is we, we openly invite anybody with any criminal history to the event, right? Because um, just because a person might not be able to legally own a gun or just because they have a criminal history doesn't mean they don't need these lessons, right? Uh, because I would much rather that individual still get a job somewhere instead of robbing you or, or you know, uh, that individual, uh, a parent, like it doesn't matter if you're from the suburbs, from the city or whatever, you made mistakes. Okay, cool. You made your mistakes. Uh, it's cutting out again. You were saying if you made your mistakes, uh, you're talking to the choir here. I'm one for if my philosophy is if you're you know, too dangerous to be let out of prison, stay in prison. But once you're, you're out, not gonna wait. That guys, after they, they'll get through talking to me, they're like, whether it's at the event or in person, they're like, if I would have known I was giving up so much, I would have never made the mistake I made because I've given up a lot. And when they, and so you can actually turn them into advocates for 2A and not even realize it because their story is telling people, don't give up your freedom. Like I gave up mine. Don't do that. So it's a, it's a lot that goes into it. And another thing we offer, um, I work with local instructors. I try to invite an instructor, all my events. And what I ask the instructor to do, if I'm not from the city, is to make sure that within, within 30 calendar days, you offer a free firearm safety seminar for the families that attended, right? So the families are able to come back out within 30 calendar days and have safety training. So even if dad or mom can't legally own a gun, or even if they don't want to legally own a gun, doesn't mean the kid won't encounter one, okay? So the entire family comes back out and they get free firearm safety training as a way to make sure, not only am I telling you, that you should pay attention to this right. Let's guide you with some of the basics to make sure you're making the sound decisions to keep this same family safe if you guys do embark upon this right. So uh, yeah, that was it for Aiming for the Truth. Right on. So it broke up a little bit there. So we're still having some issue there. And I don't know what happened. The feed is maybe dying because we lost our audience, it seems like. So we'll see if they come back or not. Um, but I'm gonna keep going as if you know they're, they're out there or that it's still recording, so it seems like it's still recording. Um, so you mentioned again earlier, I'm just going way back to when you were talking about, uh, you know, your experience and the people going through the system, I guess, and uh, from your occupation there. Uh, I was just curious if there was a percentage of the people that were unaware that were in the system because they just were unaware, but it was like in all other respects, it would have been what we would call like a valid 
self-defense uh, lethal force incident was was that a high percentage i'm just curious was that like a, a, an, an eye-opening amount of people or was it just a couple of people that went through that way it was staggering the amount of people they had you know what it's cutting out again you want to take a second and see if you get back here and you're hearing me but maybe just refresh the page give the browser a refresh and that'll bounce back in okay you cut out it for that whole section i was just going to suggest maybe uh, no, you're free i'm going to do the same we'll just both refresh the page and be back in here want to refresh it yeah okay all right see how that goes so let us know i'm talking and if you can hear me talking if anybody's still out there and Kevin will be back in here in a second. Fresh my thing here. It tells me there's 13 people watching. So maybe Google's having issues. Maybe not. I'm seeing 14 watching though. Okay, you're saying I'm coming in, Claire. Okay, I'm back. There we go. Okay, so um you were saying it was a staggering amount of people that were caught up like that. Uh, yeah, it was. It was really a staggering amount of, uh, of folks that were really thinking about self-defense all wrong and getting in tr trouble for it. I mean, it was. It, it, I don't know an example enough to make me say we need to educate people around it and we need to get them the proper education because. It cut out again. I'm like on the air. You're like, no, that's not. That's not. That's not how this works. So it was. It was alarming. The amount of people that got in trouble because they didn't think what they were doing were wrong. So I think there's a lot we could go into there. I don't want to keep going on too many sidetracks, though. Um, but I'm hoping that somebody will take some of this and run with it uh, as topics for their own shows or their own uh, videos or blogs or whatever it is you do to create content. Uh, but that's interesting because uh, think about the number of people they'll say that are, I don't know, they're going to use those numbers against us, basically. They're going to say, oh, look at all these gun crimes. Well, if, it, you know, if somebody's jaywalking with a gun and they didn't realize... They weren't supposed to jaywalk there, and now it's a gun crime. I'm always skeptical. So if it's lawful self-defense, but unlawful because of some you know, loophole, or I don't know what to call like a, a you know, specific law or something, then that's that sucks. I don't know if anybody, like John Lott or anybody, has ever done any research into the number of things that would otherwise be lawful. Um, I would I would advise that everybody um, take take self defense serious. And the only thing that I'm really, which I don't want to get too sidetracked either. The one thing, the one thing I'm seeing alarming from the gun community is um, everybody thinking that simply owning a gun is the defense. That's a great start. You haven't even, but you haven't really 
begun. A lot of people don't want to educate themselves on the laws. Uh, I actually know several guys that are that are more educated, and I mean by a pretty big margin, that are more educated about gun laws as far as you know gun restrictions, gun control, which is good, but know very very little about self defense laws, like almost none. So we got to start balancing that out. Like obviously we need to stay aware stay aware of the laws that are trying to restrict us and hinder our rights, but we have to start taking our self defense serious. Like. Do you carry uh, some type of uh, insurance, you know, for you and your family? If you do have to discharge your firearm, it is not going to be shoot somebody, even if it's caught on camera with them stabbing you with a flaming knife. Shooting someone is not as simple as, oh, I'm just going to get up and go in the house and go to sleep and this is all be over. No, this is a process uh, and it can be a pretty scary process, too. So uh, how are we really thinking about this? Is it more that when you go into the range, you're just thinking about uh, scenarios to 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 you know, stop a threat. I mean, those are important. What are you really thinking about? Okay, while you're taking those training drills, but when can I use this skill set? When is the bad guy actually committing the crime? When am I overreacting? Uh, if I am acting perfectly or imperfectly, do I have protection? Like a lot of us don't think beyond the gun is what I like to say. You have to think beyond the gun. What else is out there to impact you? Now, I put in my email, like, the second topic would be the why, and I've just lost my notes, but I think my why question was going to be, you know, was there something that you saw missing? Did it evolve? Was there something else? I know you probably addressed it in the explanation of the projects you're working on, but I don't know if there was anything specific as to the why question. It's very open-ended, but that's sort of the point, I guess. Uh, uh, why to the, to the training aspect? Yeah, well, as far as, you know, to where you're at today in 2019 going forward um, and, you know, the no other choice is and, is, and the uh, aiming for the truth. Uh, the why behind what I do is to make a difference. So it's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance for me. I realize that, you know, from the, 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 the lengthy history, which I greatly appreciate you guys listening to it, uh, but it sets it really is important to set the tone. But I think because of all those things, it is. It's important to understand for me that I represent multiple communities all at once. And we all do. We all represent more than one community. Uh, we're all part of the larger community being Americans, but we all represent different communities at, at different levels. And so one thing I wanted to do was bring, I wanted to just bring responsibility and humility to firearms and firearms training. And what I mean by that is this, I noticed, especially when social media became a thing, I noticed everybody wanted to be so tactical, right? And my original concept of tactics was tactics. It's more of a thought process. You only put on the gear because the gear is what you need because you've thought the things out. So you know you need this because you've thought of these scenarios. like. It's tactics and understanding how to use your tools and your gear. So the way I got introduced to it was a lot different than, you know, the big social media hype. So I wanted to to bring a sense of training to people where, hey, you know what? If if and nothing against guys. Right. But if you feel that you have to go train to invade a country, do that, because you know what? You might have to do that. I'm never going to knock anybody for taking training. 
go take whatever type of training you want to take by all means. And I don't mean that sarcastically. I want you out there training. What I noticed was a lot of people, and I mean a large amount of them, that started to think about getting into firearms or the guy that's owned the gun or the girl that's owned the gun for three years and has never taken a class, they were intimidated by what they saw. They were intimidated by it. They were inti intimidated by the instructors and they were intimidated by the students. So like, I can't do what that person's doing. And that person looks scary. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't help me because people say I look scary all the time. So I'm like, okay, what can we do to help people actually want to come shoot um, besides getting on the gun. And what I decided to do was, all right, you know what? That's cool. Like I can put on a play carry and run it with the best of them. You, you can ask Dan, <laughs> the class he took required that kind of gear. That's what he signed up for. And that's what I taught. Um, but at the same time, I want to, I want the, the soccer mom, the hardworking family, uh, the, the single mom, the dad, the single dad, the uncle, the fam. I wanted the carpenter, the plumber, the computer technician, the the landscaper. I want those people to feel comfortable enough to come to me and say, hey, you know what? You look like somebody that's just going to teach me how to do this thing and it'd be OK. And that's what I want. Um, I'm not out to compete in any way, but I'm definitely not out to try to steal from the tactical market. I am looking to get everyday people that wanna run guns. Now look, I've trained Leo, I've trained military, it's not a big deal. I wanna have them in class too. We have classes that deal with that type of stuff. You wanna come do a, a team vehicle course, awesome. You wanna come do some low light stuff, cool. You wanna do some bounding drills, cool. Shoulder transitions, cool. We can do all that. But at the same time, what are we really doing here? We're supposed to be growing the community. Now we have to maintain and sustain and train. That's true. But how are we getting to the growth? If we're all looking intimidating every time somebody sees an Instagram picture or Facebook stuff, it's not going to help. Right. So let's I'm, I'm going to you don't have to, but I'm going to shed the plate carrier is what I called it early on. So you'll see me in some pictures with a plate carrier on. Sure. But most pictures you see me in. I'm I want you to feel like you can just walk up and talk to me and it's okay and you don't have to be intimidated to train with me. The cut out just you, you were just saying most of the time you're gonna say you're gonna show t-shirts probably. Uh yeah, most of the time you you see me, uh I'm normally in one of my t-shirts and a hat. You know, I'm not I'm not always looking or talking like like someone that, that's not approachable with, with this skill or you know, I, I like to tell people, don't worry about me trying to trying to look like the ultimate instructor. My job is to coach you to be the best you. You know, I'm a big basketball fan. Michael Jordan is not Michael Jordan without Phil Jackson. Right? Wrong guy. I have no idea about sports, but I'll take your word for it. Yes. <laughs> um they're saying that we're both cutting out, but I'm going to continue on because usually the recording will be good to go. Uh, so that's a great transition because I'd like to end it, and we've got another 20 minutes. And I can, what I think people need to start to realize, but that's the imagery I think we have to do better with putting out there. So that's how I, that's what I gravitate towards is like, hey, I want you to feel like if I am a dude that is going to be running hard or a girl that wants
you want to be tired, you want to be fatigued, up and down, you want to be pushed, I can go to KD for that. He can do that. And I also want to be approachable, like, hey, I'm just I'm just a carpenter, man. I just want to go, I run a business, I want to go to work and protect my family and kids. I'm not rolling across the hood of a Buick. It's not my thing. I just want to know how to defend myself. Cool. I want to have you in class too, and I want everybody to feel comfortable. So I try to put out the imagery of being personable, um, you know, somebody you can approach, somebody you can talk to, and somebody who's not intimidating. Right on. So um, that is a good transition. Well, I wanted to wrap it up with the, the how, how to, the nuts and bolts. And we got another 10 minutes or 15 minutes here. And that you mentioned the Instagram and intentionally doing, I'm guessing you, you know, if you would follow a, a link to it here, but if you look at Kevin's Instagram, uh, it's, you know, you got the kids, you've got uh, reposts, you know, you're not always tacked out. It's not always guns. I'm guessing that's intentional, but um, address that if you'd like, and then let's get into some nuts and bolts about how you're running all of this technically. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, with the imagery, and this is where I, I personally choose to be careful. So um, obviously the name of my, my, my channel is NOC Firearms Training, right? And so when I think about it at a higher level, it's like, okay, I couldn't use NOC because it was already taken. Somebody's already got that. They've had it for years. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I got to put firearms training in my title. So firearms, what is that going to say to people if they see it? Are they people that are already in intimidated by guns? All right. Uh, is it going to, you expect to come over here and just be all, you know, all tactical stuff? Like, what is that going to say when I put the title of this stuff out here? And so I was like, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to do something with this page that is going to be true to what the title is. So you're not going to be deprived of the title. The title is going to give you uh, firearm information and gun information. Um, at the same time, I want people to understand that we are, I am a human being. As a firearm instructor, I am a human being. So we're going to talk about everything from uh, your gun rights. We're going to talk about guns. We're going to show pictures of my family and kids. You get to see me and some of the things I do in Aiming for the Truth. Uh, you get to know that I like when I lost a friend, I put up the, the you know, the fact that I was dealing with a loss of a buddy. Um, we're going to deal with um, keeping you updated on the political stuff, sometimes in a very satire way. But you're updated. I'm going to challenge things, but I'm going to show you and show you that a guy with no kids. My kids are funny. They're laughing they're joking. When I'm mentoring young men, you see the things I'm saying to them. You can see me going to a school and adopt teams and give them T-shirts and Thanks for Force of Freedom from the last ones, by the way. You can see the fact that I'm I'm a human being. Um, if somebody puts out some good info, I will repost it. Uh, if something's funny and I think it's funny enough, I'll share it on my page. It's just, but you get deep messages, you get light messages, it's lighthearted, it's deep. You see me interacting with people. I mean, I got moms demand action on my page for Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> there is a picture with me and one of the leaders from St. Louis and moms. Uh, we had a debate that lasted three hours and, you know, they lost and that's cool. But like I told her, we can still be friends after this, uh, but I'm going to get you. And it's it's everywhere. But you know what? So are gun guys. So are gun girls. We are a multitude of things. We're not just one thing. So as I am helping people come over to understand about freedom and firearms and things like that, when they come to my page, I don't want them seeing a ton of just training videos. Uh I want them to see things that they feel like they can relate to. Like, oh, man, that was funny. Oh, this is just like he said it would be like, oh, OK, cool. And then when I start putting out and you will see a lot of that coming out uh, this year, I start putting out 
a lot of tips about you know how to get into it. level might be like man katie's page kind of elementary until i put up some of the as far as training goes uh they might be, it's kind of elementary as far as the training goes but you know what guys that's what people somebody needs to put it up <laughs> they, they need to go somewhere to see it um so yeah that's that's how i, I kind of operate that page just to be uh, a page everybody can appreciate right on so um as far as just the last thing you mentioned there, putting up what might be called elementary, that's necessary with just the nature of the way people are experiencing content these days in a very streamlike, you know, they're they're not researching for the most part. So that gives people an experience because you, you never know who's, well, you assume that the people that are watching might be new since you're bringing so many new people on. So it's totally appropriate. When we're uh, talking, your project sort of evolved from, again, the, the, the personal interactions with people, and then you decided to, to do the uh, aiming for the truth as a, as a thing. What kind of tech did you bring on board? Did, did you go straight to a website? Did you go to the Facebook, YouTube? Um, were you already fluent in that stuff, or was it a challenge to get into the social media stuff? Was that something you looked forward to, or just a necessity? And I just want to leave that open and let you take that as far as you want. Uh, I, I hate to tell you this, but you you were gone for like 20 seconds. <laughs> okay. I was going to get into yeah, the, the question. Yeah, into the nuts and bolts. Uh, when you started the Aiming for the Truth and you knew that was going to be a project, was the social media, was that something that was a uh, necessity or something that you looked forward to? Uh, was What tools did you use? Facebook, YouTube, Instagram? Uh, did you do those by necessity or by choice? Just want to throw a bunch at you and let you go with it since we're having the back and forth issue. Go ahead. Oop, did you get it that time? Well, got to refer to the audience. Not hearing Kevin. Are you guys hearing us? When okay. Now, now you're back. I, I got the question. Okay. Um, so. It, what I would say is when I first started, I used Facebook and Facebook only. I wouldn't go on any other platform. And I didn't even put up anything about Aiming for the Truth. I only put up a bunch of uh, news stories, cycle from local news to encourage people to come take training. That's all I would do. Like, you never saw my face. That's all I would do. I have a personal Facebook page, but I used it like most Americans use their personal Facebook page. Um, so that was kind of it. But then I was like, you know what? People need to see you. You need to stop saying what you're going to do and you're doing this all behind the scenes you don't need no variety and you know it's like people need to see you and my friends were like yeah do it do it be seen so i start putting up photos of me and i started being more vocal and then i said you know what i'm not going to wait for anybody to tell me anything what are these other platforms and how can i use them so i i looked over at um uh instagram and I said, okay, Instagram seems to be a great tool. This is after I grew the Facebook page to, to be okay, in my opinion. Uh, my personal Facebook page, though, is where I started sharing a lot of my personal insights. And like I maxed whatever the allotment, I think it was 5,000. I maxed out the allotment of 5,000 people in a matter of like four months uh, just from being me. And I was like, you know what? People, people appreciate me just being who I am. So I said, okay, where else can I do that? Uh, because obviously, Facebook is not going to be the only platform. So then I got over into Instagram and then I decided to also do a YouTube channel because I'm like, people want videos longer than 60 seconds. 
Facebook uh, was really getting heavy into uh, the uh, the restricting of the pages at the time, the kind of censoring. Uh, I knew in YouTube wasn't quite there. And then YouTube came with the hammer as well. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, so I'm like, oh, well, between all the platforms, Facebook, um, I have three different pages on Facebook, a personal page, uh, the business page and a, a public profile page. And I did it that way so I can always put content out if they start throttling one or the other. When it came to uh, YouTube, I just put up the one channel, it's NLC Firearms channel, but they were taking down a ton of guys videos just for doing gun videos. So I said, okay, I'm gonna do gun stuff, but I'm gonna do more talking over here because they, it's less likely I'm gonna be attacked if I do that. And on Instagram, you seem to be, be able to get away with posting more gun stuff. So I feed most of my traffic right now through Instagram. And then um, this is when I start hearing about other platforms emerging. And so it's all an experience process. I, I'm Right now I'm running with, I think seven different platforms. So I have to be careful how much I take on, but I'm always looking for different ways to expand to stay ahead of the, the censorship that, that comes along. Right on, and you're tackling this all yourself. You don't have like a staff of social media people. No, absolutely not. Uh, I recently just asked an industry buddy to help out, uh, and he's helping out with some stuff, definitely. Uh, but up until the last couple of months, uh, I have been running this thing by myself, the travel, the setting up the logistics for my travel, the training division, the aiming for the truth, still being a dad, still having two kids, still being a husband. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm burning the midnight oil all the time. And that's what it takes. It takes that kind of effort and it takes that kind of grind, not including going to the political rally speaking. Um, you know, just it, it takes a lot. Uh, but you know what? I said I was in this for the fight, so I'm not afraid to fight. So which of the platforms do you enjoy the most to interact with or use? Instagram. I like Instagram because I don't like it because the videos are only 60 seconds because I really think that it trains people to think that you can be educated in a character limitation in 60 seconds of video max. A lot of people don't like watching 60 seconds now. They want like 20 second clips. So I don't like it for that because it makes the I think it makes the end user lazy when it comes to absorbing material. And when you're trying to put out things that are so complex, it's it's hard to do. And now we're, we're society is creating people to where they want it, they want it now, and they want to understand everything about it. You got 60 seconds or less um, and a few characters. So I don't like it for that, but I love it um, for as easy as it is to post, to operate behind the scenes. It's, it's, it flows pretty well. Um, it has a decent expansion like Shopify going over to Instagram and things like that. Um, the responses are pretty controlled. I like the fact that people cannot hijack your post with, um, with their content. Like on Facebook, you know, you could put up a great post and somebody could put a meme and take all everybody communicating straight to their meme or their link or their funny video. I love it about Instagram is that they limit that. You can't do that. So it does keep people on track more. Oh, and that's more of like just a physical limitation or a characteristic of the chat or the feedback process. In other words, like with the sub uh, comments or whatever on Facebook, like you say, they can kind of take a thread and just run with it like an old forum or something yeah okay and then uh so it sounds like you're getting feedback and interacting with your audience or whoever it is you're reaching to uh in on both platforms well on youtube as well i'm assuming um which of the platforms do you think is the most useful for your audience and the people that um i guess you're reaching out you know the outreach the people that are you're you're we're trying to just you're, you're hoping we'll discover 
your various programs. Which ones, which platform do you find is the most successful? Um, if I'm going by the numbers, I'm going to have to say uh, Instagram uh, because Instagram, uh, I have two. Dang, it cut out. On Instagram, you have two. If you go by the number, yeah, Instagram, I think one of the economically high number, but it's, it's close to 5,700 on one page on Instagram, uh, 1,500 on another, and one of them is brand spank new. Aiming for the truth on Instagram is brand spank new. I haven't driven any traffic there yet. Um, Facebook, I mean, now on Facebook, I have 3,000 following on the business page or close to it. I'm, I'm pre I, I think I got 20 spots left on my personal page. I keep deleting people that I find are like, fake accounts and stuff like that because you know you don't have that kind of filter on Facebook like you do in IG. Um, so I delete those off and I'm still, I got like 500 people waiting to be my friend on Facebook. So the personal one on Facebook, I would say, would, well, I guess, well, no, I'm still gonna say Instagram because I think people interact more on Instagram uh, than they do on Facebook. But it would be a toss up between my no other choice, NOC firearms training business page on Instagram and my personal page on Facebook. And that, do you think that's influenced I by operate, I'm sorry? You think that's the Facebook is influenced by the amount of time you've been on these? It sounds like you've been on that one the longest time. Yeah, I've been on Facebook as just, you know, my Kevin Dixie, just a regular guy. I've been on Facebook, I don't know, since his inception. So yeah, you know, I've been on there a while. Um, the, the Instagram, I, I think I started I don't know, maybe about two and a half years ago, two years. Ago. So it's, it hasn't been up long in the grand scheme of things compared to my personal page. So I guess with that being said, you just now I'm going to have to go with the Instagram page because considering that it's not old, it's not a really seasoned page. I mean, it's, it's doing it's having pretty good growth. I do remember uh, doing an Instagram live video from my living room. Uh, so, yeah, it was probably just a couple of years ago. Remember doing an Instagram live, and I remember it because I had 363 followers, and that seemed like yesterday. And now I'm up to two or 5,700. So I guess I should be appreciating that. Yeah. So Instagram. Right on. Instagram is neat because there's definitely some some math and some equations you can do on Instagram to boost followers naturally, like just you know following using the stats and stuff they've got there to uh, to enhance the kind of stuff that people like. You know, and so just a little bit of awareness on Instagram to the numbers or the basically paying attention to what people like. You can just, you know, pump two pictures that people like and then a little something they need and a couple of pictures they like and a little something they need. And uh, it's real cyclical, too. Uh, coming out of SHOT Show is a real good time to pump Instagram, FYI. Or at least historically, the time for oh, growth on Instagram for some reason. Huh. I will. Well, thank you for that little nugget of information because I will be doing that. So um, let's see. So that was a bit of insight. And, you know, we didn't even talk about some of the fun stuff that you kind of alluded to uh, at the gun rights policy conference with uh, some of the 1776 and 1917. So I'm not going to dig into that tonight. But hopefully you'll be back on again. And now people, we, you know, I've introduced you. If you had a chance to talk to my audience. We can come back and talk about some of the insight you've got and I found to be uh, new ways of um, talking to people about Second Amendment issues. And, uh, you know, I know you got stuff coming up, but um, 
the, the invites out there and you like I say you've got my podium or my soapbox anytime you need it so to wrap up I don't know if I'm breaking up again or not it was a weird pause there so I'm gonna give it a second after I stop talking here but to wrap it up what do you got going on in 2019 um, I will definitely say back on with you this has been uh, enjoyable so yeah we definitely have to set up a, a part two to talk about the 2a and my, my viewpoint on that I think that is um, something I would love for people to hear um, uh, as far as 2019 goes obviously I am getting um, getting ready to get geared up for a shot show in Las Vegas Nevada I'll be out there for the entire event and so that's gonna be fun On you with you know online get out there and build some of those personal relationships i like personal relationships so that's going to be fun uh obviously do some work with some uh supporters and uh, uh sponsors and things like that uh going into further into 2019 i am uh i got some dates out there that i'll be publishing soon for aiming for the truth i am always looking for other cities to take it to so i know you'll have contact information but your audience is always welcome to reach out to me and be uh, a point of contact for a city to get the event there. Uh, we work off the people. I need to know that people want it in our town. So if you let me know, we come. Uh, this year we have Chicago, uh, Phoenix, Memphis, Chattanooga, Tennessee, St. Louis, Missouri, East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, and I believe we're, we have Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa on the books and Atlanta, Georgia. So we, we definitely have, and we're working on a couple of cities in Florida right now. So it will be great to uh, have more people reach out uh, to get more cities. The training calendar for firearms training is uh, is up. I'm excited about it. I was blessed uh, through a good friend to get an outdoor range facility to actually use uh, on a permanent basis. So now I have the luxury of having 120 acres to train on. It is awesome. So uh, I was able to expand out my curriculum so um, I'm looking forward to really running some guns this year and really getting people out, really pushing them. Uh, one thing I would like to say, speaking of that, for you are included, sir, you are more than welcome. I would love to have you out. This also goes out to anybody in your audience that might be that that guy or girl that's looking to to grow. They want to they want to ask people questions. They want to know, you know, how how being at it two years are you on everywhere on every platform? Or maybe they want to learn more about some other nuance of, uh, of what we do or how we do it. Um, so what I'm putting on here Memorial Day weekend, and you'll be able to go on my Instagram page here in a couple of days. That interaction event is going to be for influencers, YouTubers, bloggers, I mean, whatever you are. Uh, as long as you deal with some with civil rights, freedom, guns, things of that nature, I'm inviting everybody out, and we're going to spend um, we're going to spend Friday evening, all day Saturday, uh, going over some things. So Friday we're going to have a five minute sessions. What is an issue? Kevin, it's breaking up, and this is super interesting. Brand, and what? You, I'm sorry. Yeah, let me let me stop because I think it's just because uh, you had gone for a while. It started to break up, but it's it's you're cutting the meat out of all that. So you were you're talking about a, a get together in Missouri. Start yeah, so, from okay, I'll just start it. Start it over. So in in St. Louis, Missouri, right outside the city, 
the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, starting at Friday evening and running through to that Sunday morning. We're going to have an event here for up and coming uh, influencers, uh, writers, bloggers, YouTubers, whatever you are, gun reviewers. We're going to have a weekend for them. And Friday evening, we're basically going to cover some things. People ask me a lot. They inbox me a lot. They're always asking me questions and it's hard to answer everybody. So I want to invite people out for a weekend. That weekend, we're going to cover topics on Friday about how to build your brand. Um, what what how do you identify as an instructor? Um, how do you use social media properly? How do you address uh, bad times on social media, like when, when things are bad, if you're getting attacked for something uh, and things like that? Basically, a, a workshop of how to get yourself off the ground and how to start representing yourself and what your brand should look like and all the small nuances on um, and including how do you ne negotiate and approach potential sponsors to support you. That Saturday, we're going to have in the morning uh, a handgun class because I noticed that a lot of people they're doing the right thing for the Second Amendment, but a lot of people don't get a chance to actually go to training or shoot guns and stuff like that. So we're going to start off with a handgun class to make sure we're training everybody up. So when you are going out and you're out putting out videos and things like that, you have a basis where, you know, when your videos are going to look better, the audience that's learning from you is going to absorb from you better or you just know it better to defend yourself. But we want to make sure that any content creator or anybody that is doing some of the simple things the right way. So we're going to put people through a pistol class. Uh, we're going to take a nice little break. And then at evening, we're going to run a vehicle course, an anti-carjacking vehicle course. Uh, myself and Ken Scott with Pervectus Group are going to uh, co-instruct um, uh, that class. Well, actually, yeah, that entire day of teaching. Uh, that night, we're going to have a nice little barbecue, kind of wind down, talk, get to know everybody, sitting out on the forum, just getting to know each other, uh, bonding and making those, those connections. Um, and then Sunday, we're going to give everybody a chance to uh, actually be an instructor for they can we can watch them teach and give them feedback and then block out time for people from around the country to get together and do their own videos like, hey, it's you. I, I never thought I'd meet you or let's do a video together. We're going to give you sections of the range to go and do those videos for you can have that content. Uh, and obviously, we'll be there to interview with people as well. Uh, so that's going on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's only going to be one hundred and fifty bucks for anybody that wants to come. So, yes, you're getting basically two days of all type of training and a, a big meal for one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, so I'm encouraging everybody to come out to that because uh, I want to be a part of the growth of this community as well. I want people to feel comfortable learning and growing from each other. Um, so instead of talking about it, I decided to put on an event. And uh, after that event, besides training and aiming for the truth and traveling, I am looking forward to kicking butts at rallies and speaking about gun rights and uh, educating people and uh, showing up anywhere I can to be a face for this fight um, and, and educating and, and continually inspiring people to be the best them and to be the best representation of our civil rights that we can be. Damn. All right. So... I wish we weren't having a communication issue. So you said Memorial Day weekend. Is Memorial Day the 27th of May this year? Uh, let me look at it. I always get these days wrong. I believe, yeah, I believe the class is from the 24th to the 26th. So your assumption sounds correct, sir. Okay, okay. So we're talking May 24th to the 27th. Mm -hmm. And you're talking, let's see, nothing else going on that weekend except for Memorial Day. And... Well, it's Armed Forces Week, I guess. So um, you're inviting two-way media to show up and have a workshop, except more than just a workshop. You're talking a three-day event. Now, this you're you're reaching out to everybody that was at that 
AMCON, the 2A Media Con 2A Media Conference that happened the day before uh, gun, gun rights policy conferences last year. Uh, yeah, I'm reaching out to everybody now. I'm I'm going to ask um, my friends, press and company included, to help me with that uh, because I've I've shot out a lot of emails, but I am certain I am missing some people. Yeah, I this am positive. Me. So um, where did this come from? You came that, up with ours. No, I just I just decided to do it. So to be to be frank with you, what I noticed is. Uh, and nothing against them. And I don't mean to sound childish when I say it. I'm really not. I'm just really I'm an observer. And just like every other thing, guns, knives, you know, cosmetics, whatever, there are clicks get formed. Right. And unfortunately, sometimes people get left out. Uh, and and I didn't want people. Now, look, I've been blessed. I've been on all kind of platforms. I work with huge names. I've done some pretty awesome things. I've been very, very blessed and put in a lot of great positions. That being said, I I have the opportunity to go to a lot of places and do a lot of things, but when my inbox is is flooded and when guys are legitimately asking these questions like, "Hey man, how do I do?" I'm I know that they they honestly want to put their best foot forward, and there's there's nobody that they feel comfortable going to to be like, "Yes, a place for us." Like not it, it's not meant to be that way, but like a place for the people that feel like they're not important enough. I'm not one of the cool kids. I'm not one of the jocks. So where can I still go to be the better me? And I was like, well, you know what? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Why, why are we going to wait on anybody else? I'll host an event. And to to show you guys that it's not all about I'm the best instructor in the world, I'm going to bring another instructor in and we're going to co-teach. But and then anybody that is that I know is great at those subject matters, my, managing your social media. If they come, I'll say, hey, man, will you donate 30 to 45 minutes of your time? You don't have to give you know you have to give up all your secret sauce, but just some good you know elementary pointers to people to really get them going and and really get them off their feet and really get them motivated in whatever they're trying to do. Um, and I was like, why can't why can't I do that? Why sit around and complain about somebody not doing it? I'll just do it myself. And it's not a stab at anybody in the industry. It's just another void that I saw missing. And it's like, hey guys, come out, learn. Uh, I want you to put out great content. So if you don't know how to handle a handgun properly. Or a rifle properly, fine, man. It, it, I don't. You don't need to be embarrassed. Let's just show you. And so, therefore, when you're out putting out content, now you're putting out great content. Thus, people are following you. Thus, we're all winning because our community is getting stronger. So, I just wanted to be that that light. And you know what? People have done it for me. Um, I'll tell you, uh, uh, one guy that, that's done it that that brought me down has talked to me a lot is James Jaeger. I know a lot of people, you know, have their opinion one way about him or another, but that dude is solid with me, man. He. He, he, I went down to a school. He spent a lot of time talking to me just on the side, just about, hey, man, this is what I've learned and just sharing nuggets and knowledge. But see, I'm fortunate enough to have circles like that. I'm fortunate enough to be able to to call up guys like uh, Coleon. I'm fortunate enough to have been on television a couple of times and can reach out and 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 know guys and know the industry people. But everybody's not that fortunate. So. It is my job, I feel, to pay it forward. And now I want to be a resource for everybody. And I, I just want to have an event where we can all come, we can learn, uh, and, and everybody can go back and they can feel like, wow, somebody wants, somebody actually cares about me being myself and big and trying to grow my platform. And they're just not all about, hey, I'm bigger than you, stay away from me. You know, I want everybody to know that I care as much about your platform as you do, because without you, 
potentially we could lose this fight. We need everybody in this fight as possible. And part of that is putting out great content for the, the people to see and for people to absorb. So I want everybody to be great. And I just want to put on uh, an event that gives everybody that space to be great. And you get to collaborate. Collaborations are really falling off in this industry. I remember when I first started watching YouTube videos, there were collaborations everywhere. Now you really don't see so many collaborations. I don't know why that is. It could just be because everybody's busy or media is viewed differently or whatever. But now, you know, you might not be able to see that person from the other side of the country, but Missouri's in the middle of the country. So everybody come to the middle. And I want you guys to do those videos together. Like, hey, go work with that person. I want your video to go viral. I want you to be bigger than I am, right? And I just want to give you the platform to do it. Well, I don't know how to start because uh, that's a whole other show right there, dude. So, yeah, we started uh, some projects like this along the way, and uh, we're uh, coming from the same place. So this is more than a valuable effort. That's awesome. Uh, thank you. you. Were you at the, the Amcon thing in Dallas? Uh, no, I was not at the Amcon. I don't think I was invited to the one in Dallas. No, as a matter of fact, I was not invited well, to the one in Dallas. I was not invited to Dallas. I crashed it, and I got on the list, and I still didn't get invited to Chicago. I crashed that one also. So <laughs> just the way it is, they just don't have their shit together with that. But, um, yeah, so uh, everything you said there, I couldn't agree more. Uh, like I say, that's awesome. Unfortunately, the only thing I would, um, I'm frustrated is we've been doing some stuff like that for a while. And it's sad that, you know, nobody is out there with enough reach. So I'm glad that you are put your money where your mouth is with that. Uh, everything you said there is 100% valid. I've been uh, down with that for a while. So, um, again, did you say there's a cost to it? Yeah, the cost is 150 bucks, and that's to help cover the expenses of the weekend. So it's uh, and that's and that's plenty of time. So that's talk about the opportunity now. So now people that are interested in this, I'm going to be getting the word out as much as I possibly can. This will be my drive for the year to get people to this thing. Uh, that's an effort. That's an opportunity to get with your local gun shop, to get with the local holster guy, get with somebody that makes steel targets, stuff that's not easy to ship, uh, stuff that they're making at your local gun shows. Uh, that's just that's 10 people at 15 bucks sponsorship gets you to this, this, you know, with some driving uh, carpooling is an option. We'll make sure that there's hotels or rental house or something that we can get people to just cheap as possible. Uh, this is awesome, dude. So um, one of the frustrations I had with the uh, AmCon was that we were all strangers in that room and all, and we had to introduce our projects and we had an opportunity there in the same room, like you say, to do some, so much more then uh, just talk about each other's projects, which we could have done more efficiently. And we should have been doing this homework and we should have definitely not been strangers walking into that room. So you're doing a, a real life effort. Um, I guess I came to him, Yuda, I don't know how to say his name or good, uh, came to him also with the suggestion of doing something like uh, a live conversation like this periodically uh, so that when we go to AmCon, we're all comfortable. We know each other. We have collaborated. So when we're actually there, we're getting to actual, you know, work and nuts and bolts. Uh, ideally, bringing us the two A media as a resource, as uh, an uh, armory to give to the organizations that are there throughout the weekend, and then getting back with them on Sunday and giving us some direction. So that once we've all established how to work together to effort on our projects. We can then pull the rope in the right in the same direction in unison, bring all that reach that you're talking about. Everyone's contribution is valuable. You can't even imagine how valuable your reach is. The 400 people, the 200 people, the 27 people that you reach 
are not going to be reached by Hickok. And it doesn't matter because Hickok isn't saying this or that. They're not being reached by the guy who's doing a radio show. They're not being reached by a person who's writing a, an article in a gun magazine. They're being reached by you. So you can offer them frivolous whatever, or you can you know, offer them stuff with some intent. And that makes it a more interactive, enjoyable exercise for you. Your project becomes more fun and you're serving a purpose, right? We're all able to, to change social society's perception of this industry or this culture, right? So I'm loving this idea of having a group get together. Um, uh, all I can add is, you know, to I'll talk with you off air. We can have entire discussions about this as you get it ready. And if you need resources, uh, I'll bring everybody's, my Rolodex, everybody I know who might be able to fill a role. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping this is all coming through for you. But, uh, yeah, you've got my full support and every resource I've got for this project. That's awesome. Uh, I guess all I was going to add was uh, I do a, a workshop every Tuesday and every Saturday. Uh, use that or I can adjust the time or whatever to fit people's schedule. But I'm more than happy to host like a periodic room to get people prepared for that. Again, to help them fund the, the, any costs that might incur and then uh, to make it as useful as possible uh, overall. So that again, when we go to the gun rights policy conference this year in Phoenix, and I guess another question I'm gonna have is, is your Phoenix event gonna coincide with that? Uh, but we can make the gun rights policy conference AMCON as you know, efficient as possible. And then the outcome of gun rights policy conference as efficient as possible. Um, one, yes, I will. I can definitely, I will, you, I will take all the help I can take. So uh, as we, after I come back from shot, we can definitely, I will definitely take you up on uh, any offer for assistance. The, as far as the Phoenix uh, travel goes, I don't believe it's going to coordinate because um, I always host the aiming for the truth events on a uh, Saturday uh, because the, the average everyday working person is normally off work. So I host those on a Saturday and I know the event is on a Saturday. So I'm going to basically be flying to Phoenix twice um, to get that done. One, one for AMCOM and then, uh, the GRPC conference and obviously and then the other one for the aiming for the truth, which is fine. I like things. Great city. Yeah, you like hanging out with uh, Todd's. Yeah, yeah. Those are two of my favorite human beings on Earth. They are awesome people. Gun Freedom Radio podcast every week. Phenomenal effort. Awesome people. Yes, they are. Uh, but yeah, so it, it will be. Um, but this will be obviously because uh, we are going there in what, September? I don't know. That's one of the things I'm hoping you guys find out at shot. Go over to Alan and find out when it is because I've got calendars to make. And uh, that's um, I know it's I know it's in September because we talked about it when we were at the last show. Um, but sometimes it leaks into October. I'm hoping it's but whatever. Yeah, we know that it's somewhere in that vicinity, but they won't tell us. They say till spring. So no, oh, well that that's. Looks like I thought I had a date in here. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll try to find out at SHOT Show. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it won't coincide just because Saturday will be at the um, at the conference instead of uh, uh, me being out running around Phoenix. But uh, yeah, it's fine. I kind of like it out there. So I'll go back. Warm weather. I'll, I'll definitely probably do it in the wintertime if I have a reason to escape the cold. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's going to be um, it's going to be an exciting year. And I'm really I'm truly looking forward to this event here. I think it's one thing that has truly humbled me, and I, I hope people will will understand this. One thing that humbles me is that when people ask me questions, 
because I'm a firm believer that an individual, an adult in this day and age, that have supercomputers at their fingertips and these phones. I mean, we don't use them for the right reasons a lot of time anyway. But I think that it's, it's very humbling when somebody decides to say, hey, I'm going to ask you a question uh, and, and really want that knowledge from you. I think that is the, one of the ultimate compliments uh, on this planet. So um, to have people asking me questions about managing their platform, um, how do they present their image? How do they stay real and authentic? Like, you know, uh, I get a lot of people asking me, why don't you ever look scared? <laughs> like you, sh you should be scared. You're, you're, you're bold and you're saying these things. And why are you doing that? How do you do that without, you know, you know, peeing your pants? And I'm like, guys, it comes with this and this and that. So I am actually really excited. Uh, I don't think people can ever tell. I am really excited, but I want is I want 50, 60, 70, 100 people in this in the, the gun culture to show up to learn. I want that room. I want that range to be so filled. I want everybody there. And then I want to see people shaking hands. I want to see people learning and taking notes. And I want them to go back and I want to watch them go from whatever level to something they didn't expect. And I, I think that's a lot of what it's missing, man. I'm I'm really not one for the, and I treat everybody the same. I tell people all the time, I don't get starstruck. Like even with Hollywood stars, I don't get starstruck. I've done bodyguarding services for several Hollywood stars. You're just a person, man. Uh, like you're a person with a lot of money and fame, you're still a person. And I treat I, I treat the, the gun industry the same way. We're all just people. And I don't think that we should ever uh, get to a point where we're not helping other people be the best them. I'm not worried about you stealing my sponsors. I'm not worried about you getting more followers than me because you know what? I'm always going to be me and you can never do that. So I'm not intimidated by it. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just always going to be me, do me how I do me. But man, to your point, I might not be able to reach those 3,000 people that relate to you, but I can help you be the best you so you can get those 3,000 plus 4,000 more because we need all of them, right? So I'm excited about that. I really am looking excited to that. We're looking forward to that weekend and having a great, great time. And um, I'm looking forward to to making people um, kind of regret they came to train with me too because they're going to be tired, but it's going to be fun though. Right on. So the 27th is the date the Super Soaker was patented, and the uh, 24th is the day the so the suppressor was patented. Just a FYI, useless that I was just looking at the calendar here. No, well, that's that's still cool. <laughs> Didn't know that. So uh, awesome. So appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we ran a bit long. We did two hours, I guess, for the two A. So that works. Uh, right. Again, your time and thanks for everything you do. We talk about being. Uh, awestruck by heroes you're a, or a celebrity you're a true hero man i really appreciate you putting boots on the ground and then sharing it with people i know that you're not the only person out there doing it but you're unique in the fact that you're sharing it and you're sharing it in a, in a useful and effective way and you're you're interested in sharing every aspect of it so it's just awesome to have you on anytime you need the microphone you got it all right man i greatly appreciate your time today uh and I, I do i'm humbled by your um your openness to talk to me. I do appreciate it. I will be um, taking advantage of the opportunity to come back and taking advantage of your expertise to uh, help get some people invited out here and get them motivated. I thank you. Yep. And just to give people a teaser, if you thought Kevin's story was awesome, wait till you hear his message. We didn't even get into some of the message, but he woke people up at a convention of people that are woke. It was awesome. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. <laughs>